So let me tell you a little, a, back, a little bit of the background on myself and Flexera and a little bit about what I've been doing in the open source scanning world. So uh, my name is Jeff Lush. Uh, I've been doing open source scanning and analysis since 2003. Uh, I founded the company known as Palomita back then, and uh, we just got acquired by Flexera in October of last year. So a little, little of the capsule history there. I, um, I got involved with open source scanning and analysis and uh, initially in the licensing world because I, I was a software developer and I had worked at NASA, I had worked at uh, you know, big companies, small companies, startups, and I got an experience working with open source back, you know, back in the 90s and found myself working in bigger and bigger companies who were using open source but were having problems complying with the licenses. You know, they didn't understand it. They they saw it as free, but they didn't see the obligations and the implications of using it. And I was actually working at a startup where we had a pretty serious open source problem where the, the product that had been built um, was based around an open source license, an open source library that wouldn't have allowed us to sell the company, wouldn't have allowed us to sell the product. And we had to do a lot to fix that and unwind it and whatnot. And that was that was basically my kind of a really reinforced how big of an issue this was for the industry. And I said, you know, once that company was over, I said, you know, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna build something to help us deal with this. We all love open source. We all use it. You know, what our data shows is that most products are about 50% open source right now. We love it. We love using it. But everybody sees the free side. They never see the obligation side. They don't see the, the management and care and feeding that you got to do. Let's build a device. Let's build a software product that you know, scans it, lets you manage it, manage it, and you know everybody will be happy. And you know, that was back in 2003. Now I've been doing it now for 14 years. And uh, you know, Flexera has now acquired us, seeing you know seeing the value in this and. At Flexera, you know, I think if you're familiar with what we do, you know, we help with people who build software and also people who use software, you know, kind of with all the care and feeding and management of it. How do you, how do you make money from it and monetize it and put license keys in? How do you figure out if you're overpaying or underpaying for the keys you know, on, the, on the usage side? There's a security wing with the Sukunia company that was acquired about three years ago. And then now on the uh, uh, what well, used to be Flexera is now what we call SCA for software composition analysis, basically third-party scanning. That allows us to kind of help both the what we call the producer side, the people who are building software, and the consumer side, the people who are using software, to, to, to basically keep things straight and to get ahead of licensing problems, get ahead of security problems, you know, especially in the what we call the post-heartbleed world where people understand that they're really undercounting their open source usage, their commercial usage, and but there's a little bit of paralysis. People are trying to figure out where to start and how do they do it. And that's that's where that's where I'm at. It's actually interesting because this week I've I do I've been doing some contracting work for uh, I don't know if they're considered large or not, but what I'd consider a large-ish enterprise company here and one of the teams I'm doing some work for is um, wants to open source uh, a CLI tool, mm-hmm. and I was actually helping them mm-hmm. could collate the third-party licenses file, and have been going through exactly mm-hmm. <laughs> exactly this mm-hmm. process. Mm-hmm. And the legal mm-hmm. teams like mm-hmm. 
who who does this code belong to? And you go to the repository, like I have no idea. They haven't got any information. Hey, no clue. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> we should give us a call. Give us a call. We can help. We have a team that'll do that. They they possibly have uh, their own solution. I'm not sure. Um, yeah. It would be interesting yeah, to know. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I might ask them tomorrow. <laughs> okay. But, Sounds good. Sounds good. Yeah, and that's that's exactly what we do, and it's, it's and that's exactly the state of the industry right now is that it's done afterward. There's a huge technical debt. It's not like breathing in the sense of, oh, we consumed open source, we managed it, we push a button, we get the third-party notices out, and you know, we didn't pick anything bad because it was we did everything mindfully. It's kind of like, oh, boy, what did we build? How do we fix it? How do we sip, ship it? How do we remediate and fix it? And a, a, a big part of what we did, and still do, was a consulting business around this because because of this technical debt, because of this lack of knowledge and education, you still see even major companies, you know, four, you know, top 10 software companies in the world think we need help. You know, we want your scanning software, we want your database, and we need your expertise to help us either make heads or tails of this or be as an independent uh, outsourced team to really tell us what's going on, just like people, what people do in the security world. So I, I draw a lot of parallels between the security world because it's the same type of thing. It's, um, there's scanning solutions, there's databases, but there really there's also this need for expertise and independent view of did we do the right thing? Um, hey, we, we we didn't know enough, you know, we didn't know what to do, so we built a, something that's problematic. Well, now we don't have enough knowledge to even fix it, and that's you know that's again where people come in both you know, knowledge of tools as well as knowledge of the licensing world, the security applications and you know, how other companies fix it and you know, where do you start? Uh, so that's, that's a lot of what we do as well is, is beyond the selling the product is this whole education, uh, best practices, and just you know, what is step one, which is sometimes this paralysis that people have around security, they have it around open source scanning. As what, what do we even do to start? Um, and are we going to get ourselves in more trouble by even doing anything? Just, just for the people who this sort of side of um, developing an open source tool is is a little um, a little new. What what does what does kind of your your tooling or your platform or your solution look like? Like how how does someone use it, and what results do they see at the yeah. end? Sure, sure. And 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 there's there's basically a couple things that there's a couple steps that people do. The first step is building an inventory. So what do we have? You know, kind of this, like if you looked at a, there's a lot of analogies in the physical world, like you're building an airplane or you're building an engine. What are the bolts? What are the gaskets? What's the, you know, the lever, where did they come from? Who built it? Software is exactly the same way. So your first job is to build your inventory. Uh, people call it the bill of materials or the inventory list. And there are some things that are easy find. So the quick kind of quick scan, very automatable uh, things. So you run a scan and it says, oh, I find these jar files. Oh, I find these DLLs or these RPMs, these, these libraries, especially if they're coming in from repository managers like Maven or NuGet or, or RPM and things like that. So build that. You know, very often, oh, I did a quick scan. Oh, here's these libraries, Tomcat, jQuery, et cetera. That's about half of your true bill of materials. The other half of your other bill of materials comes from more complete scanning or deeper scanning, where you look for things like cutting and pasting, 
stolen images or icons or sounds, binary files that have been statically linked together, just the whole supply chain of, uh, oh, I got a commercial library who wrapped up stuff from other commercial vendors and open source and so on and so on. So you have this like hidden open SSL library wrapped in something that you think is purely commercial. So what does our software do? It scans through all those resources, source code, images, icons, binaries, CSS files, builds half that bill of materials automatically. This is, here's what you got. And then for the other half, it shows you the evidence and says, we might have to go break some ties here, or you might need to do some, some additional deep dives, but I find some things that are clearly third party. Let's go, you know, we'll walk through figuring out where they came from and what's their licensing status and so on and so on. But that's kind of the, the two phases here. The, the automatic bill of materials where you then say, I like it, I hate it, I like it, I hate it, as you go through each, each item. And then you break some ties on the evidence and you build the remaining bill of materials from there. So that's, that's, that's the inventory building side. People then deal with the other aspects, which is what we call policy. So where you say, I like this type of license, or I, I like this particular version of a component, or I hate this version of a component because of known vulnerabilities or whatever it may be. So then you train the system to say, show me a Christmas tree. You know, what's, what's allowed, what's forbidden, what we haven't decided yet. And you just do the care and feeding as, as, you, as your developers continue to work on the product or build the product or update the releases. You, you, you see how your Christmas tree changes as time goes on. Maybe new vulnerabilities are found out in the field for the stuff you're using already. And what used to be a green turns red. You then upgrade those pieces so you stay green as time goes on. I spoke to uh, a company a couple of weeks ago who, who were doing something similar-ish just for Node. Um, so what, what platforms and languages uh, do you support? So we support uh, basically pretty much any of the classic, what I'd call application development platforms. So Java, C, C++, uh, C Sharp, uh, JavaScript. Um, you know, we also support things like Fortran, uh, TypeScript, things like that. So, so both the, you know, the classic app languages, Perl, Python, as well as the scripting languages. And so what our view on the world is, is there's very few single platform companies. You know, there's very few companies that'll go out and say they're only Node. There might be only, there might be an app that's only Node. But if I go look at a Microsoft or a Cisco or a whoever, um, they use everything. They use everything from Fortran to, to Ruby. Uh, they use everything from literally Ada to whatever. And, um, there may be some class. There may be some places you got to focus on, Java, C Sharp, you know, Node in the the Node, you know, JavaScript in the Node world. But it's rare that we ever find a single pro, single language or single um, ecosystem product or company. So our philosophy is to try to go as wide as possible, support as many languages as we can, as many ecosystems as we can, and use as many de- de- uh, detection techniques as we can. So. Um, you know, try, try to leave no stone un, untouched. So this is, I guess, kind of the, 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 the business so far, um, and I guess possibly a newer space for you 
is looking at how a lot of this applies in IoT and Internet of Things. And this has actually been a, a recurring theme that has come up in a few interviews I've had recently of, um, I guess, IoT has exploded in whatever that mm-hmm. whatever mm-hmm. it even means, but it's exploded. Yep. Yep. Um, and now people are kind of saying, oh, holy crap, now we actually need to figure out how to control mm-hmm. it a bit and how to manage it a bit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. explain mm-hmm. kind of what your, or your the, the company's thoughts around this are. Yeah, sure. So IoT is a huge focus area for Flexer in general, and especially for the SCA world. Uh, what I think is interesting about, about what we call IoT is a couple things. One is uh, the, traditionally those are distributed apps, distributed products, very often with a hardware element. Not, not always. There's a coordination side and, and back-end servers, but a lot of what we talk about in IoT is a device that goes out the door. And that device is going to have an operating system, it's going to have a firmware, it's going to have services, it's going to have an app running on it, sometimes multiple apps. The concerning thing is they're all faceless. They're all either have Ethernet or Wi-Fi. They're all running basically 24-7 with power and a pretty fast network connection on it. So, And they're out there and they're faceless. So they're excellent hacking targets. And what we've seen in the IoT world is that the security traditionally has been an afterthought. You know, if, you, if you go look at the latest, you know, the, the more recent IoT hacks like Mirai and others, you know, they, they really weren't, it wasn't like the, the computer science attack of 2017. It was things as basic as, oh, we're all using username password. Okay, we, we, can, we can take advantage of that. Like the, the hackers and the crackers did not need to go out and do crazy levels of reverse engineering to, to, to take over these devices. And we're still seeing those, those attacks take, take, you know, be, still be fruitful. And, so, and then we're starting to see the next generation of, oh, let's get in broken SSL. Let's get in with a broken um, busy box or another open source component. And that's, that's where we see a lot of these, these devices. They haven't paid a lot of attention to patching and upgrades or their user-based Upgrades and nobody's ever going to take their IoT device off the wall and apply a apply a patch to it. You know, so how do you how do you manage that? And then and then from a from a SCA perspective, from a scan perspective, you know, they're so complicated. They have an operating they have an operating system that's typically like Linux or another C based custom um, RTOS. You have um, a lot of open source because these are low cost devices, so people are not going out and spending a lot on, on commercial libraries. Um, they often have limited resources. So people are going and they're cutting and pasting and they're taking the best bits because they have limited RAM, disk, um, you know, processor speed. So you end up with these kind of the stew of open source that's just been ripped apart and cut apart and then jammed in there without attention to upgradability, without a attention to licensing or security for the most part. And that's actually, you know, it's excellent for us. But it's something as an as a person who uses IoT devices, I kind of, you know, I went to Fry's, uh, which is a big electronics store here, a couple months ago to buy a security camera, and I just looked at the I just looked at the wall there, and I saw like nineteen dollar uh, Wi-Fi cameras and twenty five dollar um, you know power over Ethernet surveillance cameras. I'm like, that doesn't buy a lot of security testing. Nineteen dollars does not buy a lot of quality, and that's you know. That, that's kind of the state I think of IoT right now. Is get it out, get it out first. We'll fix it. You know, we'll fix it in post production, as they say. 
so I mean, what what's what's how are you intending to try and tackle this uh, from a sort of mm-hmm. centralized way or something kind of standard platform or like how are you so, thinking? Yeah, uh, a, a couple a couple things. One is you know we've designed our products. We have a product called Code Insight, which is our scanning our main scanning product, and what we bring to bear there's a couple things. We we bring to bear multiple languages and multiple detection techniques. So say you're using C and Java and Python all on the same device, things like that are very common. We can help you find that and manage that. We've gone out and collected Linux. We've gone out and collected ECOS. We've gone out and collected other RTOS systems. So when you scan, you say, hey, I see, I see evidence of stuff that you weren't paying attention to. And so our product has the signatures to help discover it, has the detection techniques to help discover it. Our company also provides the training and best practices. So if you're an IoT creator or producer, you can come and we, you know, you don't just buy a software product. You can buy best practices. You can buy yourself kind of into our ecosystem of other people who are doing the same things. Here's the training they got. Here's the webinars. Here's the the white papers and and guides. Because a lot of people are doing this for the first time. So that's part of the big part of it is the products that we, we produce. And then we also have other aspects of the Flexera story. So we have other security products like the Sakunia product, which is really helpful for uh, protecting your kind of you know, monitoring your security status. Once you've shipped your product, uh, we have things like our, our ability to do upgrades and, and uh, what we call monetization for these devices to help with patching and just you know, knowing knowing where things are and for permissions for use, et cetera. But I get so you're still sort of mostly depending on the the vendors to to sign up to something like this. The 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 nineteen dollar yeah. security camera is probably still not going to, I guess. But right, right. And I think what part can of you do? I suppose the it's just kind of <laughs> yeah. Exactly, exactly. And what I'm seeing is people are starting to look at the software and hardware ecosystem supply chain and say, you know, $19 doesn't buy us a lot. You know, if we go look at two vendors, price is important, but also things like show me your open source bill of materials. Hey, if I, you know, I, I always have this test. If you have an ethernet cord and you have a power cord, you're running Linux almost certainly, or you're running some other open source. And you, if you ask that company, um, give us your open source bill of materials, you know, the same process that you're going through right now. And if they say, huh, or they give you a list of like 10 things, you, you know that they're nowhere near compliant. And so we're starting to see the, the hardware and software ecosystem start to look at things like that, give us your bill of materials, um, look for things like um, how old is your copy of OpenSSL. You know, OpenSSL ages out every six weeks. If your version is four years old, you know what? You're not paying attention to, the, to security. So um, I guess, uh, I mean, you've obviously just... Uh, Kind of merged with a, I guess, with a with a larger company, and that's pretty pretty new. But um, what's what's we've already talked about the IoT thing as well. But in addition to that, is there anything um, you're working on at the moment that you're particularly excited about, or in the the future plans that you particularly want to to mention, or have you covered most have you covered most yeah, bases? Well, well, I- I'd say a couple things. You know, we have on the SCA side, we have a couple things. We have two products. We have what we consider our on-ramp product, which is known as Code Aware, 
And it's really designed for this, you know, kind of your, your first generation on-ramp to scanning. And then there's our other product called Code Insight, which is um, oriented toward more enterprise features, deeper scanning, uh, especially if you're in the IoT world or the Linux world, world you want to use that, that deeper scanner because you need to get to the Linux level and the source code fingerprint level. So, so having both an on-ramp and the enterprise product is something that's new to us. You know, it's something we've added to post-acquisition. We've, we've built that on-ramp to work with the existing Flexara install world. So Flexara has had two decades of working with companies on installers and, and part of that build process. And we've added our scanning to that. So people who are doing building, you know, the build engineers who are working in that world, they now have an easy on-ramp, which is a nice way for them to do more than just building also, since they're the last people that touch stuff before it goes out the door, it also gives them a chance to say, hey, hey, you know, we, we might be shipping stuff that we don't know about. So that's, that's one thing. Um, our security side, so it's not just licensing, but it's the problems. So like, what's the next Heartbleed, et cetera. We're doing some interesting work with our Secunia side. So not just giving alerts to people, but also doing some research into what, what open source projects might be affected by these subcomponent problems, we just we just did that with the struts uh, struts two vulnerability that came out that got some uh, uh, a lot of press. So we worked with Sukunia to not just look at the commercial products, but we, we found a list of about 1,800 open source products that were not making the news that were likely affected by this vulnerability as well. So we were able to publish that data to the banking industry and the enterprise industry so they could get ahead of. Um, that you know, basically potential concerns even before the other alerts went out for those open source projects. Yeah. Okay. Um, I mean, is, is there an ability for you to preempt some of these potential problems or hard to, hard to do that? Um, I, I think there's a couple of things. So there's, there's Sukunia who is part of Flexera, who is doing basic research into new security holes and what their impact may be. So as our company, we have that, we have that in our DNA. We have people who are doing that. And then on the SCA scanning world, we're able to use that information to, to alert our customers, you know, basically as soon as possible. But then also because we have this database of over 100, 100 terabytes of open source source code and releases and things like that, we're able to use their basic research plus our basically massive database of, of, of you know, over a decade of open source data to look for, basically get ahead of problems that haven't been reported yet. So what products were using struts that didn't report that they, that they themselves had a problem? That type of data is available for us. It's sort of, a, it's an interesting space. And uh, yeah, it, it's strange how I've interviewed maybe sort of half a dozen companies doing various aspects of this uh, process recently. And um, I guess it's, it's good that it's becoming more, more mainstream, but it's also a shame the reasons why, I suppose, <laughs> um, that it's only thanks to so many um, high-profile vulnerabilities and how much of an impact they have on on society now i mean we've, it's gone beyond just oh it's an inconvenience to actually like almost on the verge of crippling infrastructures um it's yeah 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 
you know, there is a chance. Yeah, it's a chance that any day we could wake up and somebody says, somebody took down the power grid. Why? Because of OpenSSL or because we weren't paying attention to X, Y, Z. Um, We do a lot of work in the um, automotive and autonomous vehicle uh, software ecosystem right now. And this is one of their big drivers. You know, they have two big drivers. They have the legal aspects, which is, well, we, we don't want to, we, we can't recall a car. If we recall our, recall a car twice, we've lost our profit on that whole line. So they don't want to recall it over an open, open source issue. But then if you look at the cars, they got 12 Linux devices in them, 12 full Linux machines, all with networking, all with cameras, microphones, radar, LIDAR, you know, the ability to steer the car, brake the car. And they're looking at this saying, we don't want to be the poster child for, you know, autonomous vehicle goes awry. Or we don't want to be the poster child for, you know, everybody's been listening into the, the Hollywood movie stars microphones for the last six months because we didn't, you know, we didn't do our basic due diligence around open source uh, you know, vulnerabilities and things like that. So it's interesting how behind the scenes, a lot of these companies, because of the security concerns and privacy concerns, are starting to pay attention to this. And it, it took Heartbleed really to open people's eyes to how big the problem was and, and, and open up the disconnect between management saying, oh, they must be doing the right thing. And engineers saying, oh, somebody must be paying attention. And it turns out that nobody was.